Blog Talk Radio. Receive so far, it's been so hard. There's a few 
dudes are rough, but they medulla they sharp, man, they so soft. Don't be thrown off, they be so lost. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are! Peace, peace, peace to you and yours, peace to you and yours. This is Know the Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed. This is your host, Brother Blue Pill. Very soon to be joined by my co-host, Co-host, <laughs> Brother Red, KT the Arc degree when he shows up. So with no further ado, let me go and get Brother Red out of the queue. Call it from the 347-650. What it do? Peace. What it do, Wody? Peace. Peace, <laughs> peace, peace to the family. Welcome to Know the Ledge Radio. You would not rock with the best. This is your co-host, with the most, Brother Red Pill reporting live and direct from the Lone Star State. Holla. Holla. You got to clarify that for people. Where that's I'm at? I'm in Texas. I'm in Texas, B. I'm in H-Town. H-Town down. Throw them H's up. Mm. Is that how they do it? Mm. <laughs> Pour some drink. See more that is. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. But um, shout out to the family. Welcome to Know the Ledge Radio. I don't know how you yeah. do it, Blue. Give me, give me uh, one second. About two minutes, all right. all right? Yes, sir. Peace to the family. Welcome to Know the Ledge Radio. Thank you for joining us. Uh, peace to everybody who um, may be joining us for the first time, okay? Welcome to Know the Ledge Radio. All right, make yourself welcome, make yourself comfortable. Feel free to sign in and um, join the family in the chat room. I want to give a special shout-out to our family in the chat room, all right, everybody that's in the building, uh, Clico, uh, Patricia, PT, uh, everybody. Pardon me if I don't – I'm not in the chat room at this moment, uh, so I'm, I'm not really reading who's in there, but I know that, you know, Y'all are always riding yeah. with us. Shout out to Fire, uh, Fire Vibes. Yeah. And the family, you can take this live link and you can tweet it, Instagram it, FB it, text it, email it, do whatever it is that you do. Or, you know what I'm saying? Spread the word. Let the world know that the doc is in the building. Okay? If, yeah, if you, if for the family that's listening, you can actually update your Facebook page, your status update, and just, you know, kindly just put the link of the Know the Ledge, you know, let let the family know in your news feed all, all of your friends, you know, just inform them that we're broadcasting. You know what I mean? That's a kind gesture that we ask of our listeners and our participants so we could get everybody in the building, you know what I mean, 
so they could participate in real time and get this information in real time. Your right. friends will be so thankful. Yes, they, they will. In the long run, your people will be so thankful. So you could even utilize the poster, the wonderful graphics that we put together, the advertisement for tonight's episode. You can make that your profile pic. You can make it your cover pic. You know, you can do as you please. Just promote the event. Let the family know that we are in the building, and it's about Matt, to go down. Down. Matter of fact, you do one for me, I do one for you. When y'all watching Beyonce tomorrow, and you just tell me to update it on my page, I, I'll do that. If you do this for me, I'll do that for you. You know. <laughs> so one hand to watch each other. Well, y'all watching the dunk contest tomorrow, you know, with LeBron and them. You know, I'll I refresh my page and tell everybody to log in. So. Okay. So, real quick, um, just want to make some real quick announcements. Uh, really wish I could spend some time going through some of these recent events that I'm seeing. And had a lower 44 course applies to them all. Indeed. Chris Donner, off the break, right away, June 4th. Okay, we already told you that if you count March as the first month, which it should be counted, okay, because this is the coldest month, all right, February. This is brisk. This is brisk. It's the last month of the indigenous calendar, if you truly knew, okay. So June will be the fourth calendar. That's 4-4. We told you Donner equals 4-44. And even if you take... Christopher Jordan Donner, the C, J, and the D? Yeah, that's 44. 10 and the 3 is 13, and our D is a 4. So, you know, we we also pointed out the fact that his name Kabbalistically meant what? Fire from heaven. Mm-hmm. In the meteorites today? Judge surely did. Shout did out to my family in Russia. Yeah. Shout out to the Russian mob. Riz Donna, 786. You know about you. Huh? means fire from heaven. Okay? Fire. So, you know. A lot of interesting things. We will have to, you know what I'm saying, come back to the uh, the medley of events that are taking place on the outside world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But now we are going to deal with the inner in the world, the instability, you know what I'm saying, of man and what's necessary to bring all of that into balance. So let me do this. Let me go and get the third pillar out of the call queue so we can form Voltron. Call it from the 404-492. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Peace. Comments that's out of space, feel that I'm out of place. Yeah. What I speak in common is I vanish without a trace. Hey, did hey. I tell you after 2012 hit the comment was coming, son? <laughs> Yo, how they, how, they got, how they got John McClain in Russia died a good day to die hard, son, and the fucking meteor drops in Russia. What's going on, oh. son? John, early what's ball, going early. on with the John McClain, baby? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Got me on my Tommy two step. Hold on, you get a late, late turn ball. There you go. Hey, a good day to die hard, baby.
Yeah, you know, I hear the Django comparisons, but Django ain't burn up in Candyland, okay? Yeah. It's a dog that did. and delve into these uh, interesting things that have been taking place or what have you. Uh, even that, that asteroid, what time did that pass by today? Oh, two, 254? I don't think it was 254, was it? Yeah, 244? That was the lamest drive-by that I've ever seen, though. Or fly Something like that. Yeah, they were on CNN talking about something else, and they were like, oh, look at our watches. The asteroid already left us. We're good. And they said it was just a coincidence that the media hit and the asteroid passed by, that they had nothing to do with one another. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. They were like, it's nothing. They were like it has nothing to do with what just happened in Russia. Yeah, okay. Nothing. And then, nothing at all. Didn't, if, if my memory serves me correct, they said that the last time, that the media actually exploded over the, um, you know, the surface was in Siberia, and that was in the, eight, in the late 1800s. Yeah, right, 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 right. When it hit that, when it hit the Flat forest, cleared, cleared the exactly. forest out. And all of the exactly. I remember doing research on that years ago. Yep. So. Yep. They had a documentary on PBS on that. You Google that exactly. one. That's so yeah, it. I guess we'll be able to uh, pick up on that information and uh, the many different stories that are, you know, circulating around the, the news sphere and beginning to dissect that. But that's just well, an external representation of what we're going to be doing tonight because, oh, yeah, the information about to come on down from the heavens. The fire is going to come down from the heavens most definitely with inside ourselves. Indeed, indeed. Um do have announcements to make. I will make them after 11.11. We want to delve directly into tonight's episode. The people have waited long enough, I feel, you know what I'm saying, oh, yeah. for the return of the illustrious good doctor, Dr. Sabi. Okay, so let me read the description for tonight's episode, and we're going to get directly into it. Okay. Nonetheless, Radio is proud to present the return of Dr. Sabi. Emerging from his latest jungle excursion, the doctor is coming with a timely prognosis for the human family. In particular, those carbonated beings referred to in many names. Dr. Sabi stands firmly on the premise that there is only one remedy for the ills that plague our people, and that is to return back to the forest, the source of life that has always been synonymous with our healthiest state. There was no need for drugs, 
pharmaceutical companies or hospitals when the carbonated beings of this planet were adhering to the principles that can be found being practiced in indigenous jungles around the world. Sabi says we are in a preventative existence as opposed to the chaos we are collectively in nowadays following the ways of a people clearly who do not adhere to the dictates of anything natural. Horse me, anyone? You ask what is it and how do we fix it? Lo and behold, there are solutions for those who choose to submit to their higher self in the deafening tone of sound reasoning. Tune in for part one of an electrifying discourse delivered in the name of love. This will be a precursor to Dr. Sabi's upcoming lecture in Los Angeles, California on February 24th. Okay? Tune in for details. Class is in session, so bring your pads and your pens. The doc is about to go in. So with no further ado, call up from the 305-371. Peace. Dr. Sabi, peace. Howdy go. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? D. Not as good as you. What I'm doing. (laughs) Everybody, everybody's sitting here waiting on you. Uh, And I'm waiting on time. Oh, are you waiting on it? That's right. (laughs) Ain't that (laughs) enough? You know what is funny? Uh, hello there, everybody. Peace. 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 This is your brother, Sebi. Well, okay. what is funny What is funny tonight is that I am living a reality that I saw at age 14. I am living a reality that is frightening to me that I, Sebi, who always wanted to be a servant, a good servant, became that servant. But the only thing with the reality that affects me a little bit, not on the negative side, but on prepared for what I was going to face. I thought it was going to be smooth all the way. Yeah, the boy never been to school. And all his friends used to make fun of him. Hey, you, shut up. You're not going to school, boy. You don't have anything to say. And I used to shut up. I knew from a little boy, seven and eight, the value of shutting up when someone tells you, shut your mouth. I said, wow, I got to shut up because these dudes know things that I don't know. So I got to shut up and learn. And I shut up. I shut up. Until about age 37, I saw the world. I was able to see it. 
from a different perspective, naturally, because, as you all well know, that as nature made me unique, unlike any one of you in the studio or anyone in the universe, I am unique. I don't even know who I am because I do not know that. I would never know that. But in affording myself to you tonight as your brother, as your servant, I feel good. I feel very, 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 very good. I feel good to know that at least one of us among others in the diaspora realizes that it was important to pay attention to what was lost. And what was lost was our health. Yes, our health. That is why tonight we're going to fix it. Together we're going to fix it. You see, I'm not the smartest man in the world. I'm not even smart. You know, the boy didn't go to school. How could he be smart? After all, we measure uh, smartness uh, by your scholarly development. And boy, do we have a whole lot of scholars. We have nothing but scholars. We have, we have leaders. Man, you should la- listen to them talk. We, we listen to them every week, every twice a week. They talk about the evolutionary process of things and the things that we should do as human beings. And each one has a different message, but they're talking. And I joined the talking as a, as a young man. Oh, I was a Christian, one of the best in the world. I used to be a Seventh-day Adventist. I used to talk every 13th Sabbath. And then one day, the energy came and said, hey, boy, that was a step on the ladder. So I left, and I joined Islam. And boy, what a beautiful thing. Islam, Islam is a beautiful religion. I mean, I remember Brother Donald, Brother Mitchell, Brother Ronald, Malcolm. I remember Malcolm sitting on the step with us in, on St. Philip Street in New Orleans. And we were talking. We were talking about beautiful things in Islam. And then one day, the energy came and said, Hey, boy, you got to move on. That's a step on the ladder. I said, Hey, no. I can't leave Islam. I mean, I was so happy. And then I find myself with nothing. I find myself with nothing. And I remember where I was living. I was living on 12524 Birch Avenue in Los Angeles, California. I was left with nothing. But in the state of nothingness, some other stuff started filtering through. I said, oh, my God, no, this is not true. Yes, brother. Sisters used to tell me, you are a healer. I said, you're crazy, and I don't want to hear it. Sisters took me one day on Adams Avenue, three of them, Linda Fumilayo and another one. What's the name? I forgot this other sister's name. Took me to a woman that's supposed to be playing cards and know all about the spirits. And this woman looked at me and said, a bunch of garbage, and I walk out of there. Because I knew 
<laughs> that I didn't fit there. But I couldn't say anything because now I have nothing. I have nothing to hold on to to say that it's, it is a belief that I have to cling to to help me. No, I didn't have anything. And then healing came. 1964. Oh, my God. The brother's 31. He's 31. And boy, it was beautiful because the Mexican came after visiting all the doctors in the world from Russia to Africa, America, Chinese doctors, and all the rest. The Mexican came and said, oh, oh, they overlooked this. I said, what did they overlook, man? He said, look, man, where are you from? I said, I'm from Honduras. He said, you're crazy. <clears throat> <laughs> he said, niggas doesn't come from Honduras. <laughs> I said, oh, oh, Africa? He said, that's right. Now we're talking. He said, now that you are an African, uh, what does it mean? Does it mean that you are better than a Mexican or that you're better than an Eskimo or that you are better than an Arab or a Jew? No. It doesn't make you better than anyone. It just makes you different than everyone. Well, in that difference that exists, I'm going to treat you and I'm going to give you compound that will complement you, but you will stop eating the food that you were giving. I said, what you mean? He said, well, you're going to stop eating the rice and the beans and the chicken and the hog and the... I said, but that, I know, that's all I have. He said, shut up. He said, I'm not, he said, I'm 94 and I'm not sick and you're 31 and you're sick. Shut up. Wow. Mm. I find myself shutting up again. So I shut up. Okay. But that shutting up didn't stop there. Well, needless to say, I got healed. After 90 days, I didn't have asthma. I didn't have diabetes. I was impotent. I was angry. I was everything that was possibly that would beset someone in the state of madness because there is insanity. And I'm affording it to myself first because I want to blow my brains out in 1961. I was going to India, and I want to kill myself because there was no way out. And here come healing in 1964. And from 1964 until now, the image is changing every day to a beautiful place. And what I saw was in misinterpretation. Misinterpretation of a natural occurrence. Misinterpretation. Every religion in the world and all the histories said to us that our mother was a savage. Oh, my God. My mother was a savage. So being told that my mother was a savage, very little do I have to be proud for. You know, my mama was a savage. She came out the jungles of Africa naked. The woman didn't have any clothes on. Oh, my God, my mama was a savage. So now, because of that, I uh, I have to now take a back seat because my mama is a savage. 
And then one day, I said, now, how could God make savage people? How could God make bad people? How could God make my mother savage and no one else? Mm-hmm. And then I said, what made her a savage? Well, she didn't have any clothes on. Oh. But science says, shows us that the more oxygen the body receives, the higher the quality of health. And my mother didn't have any clothes on. But why did you stop there? My mother didn't have any clothes on. She didn't have any doctors. She didn't have any medicine. She didn't have any hospitals. She didn't have any alcohol. She didn't have any cocaine. My mama didn't have any supermarket. And my mama didn't have any rice and beans and chicken and hogs, potatoes and yams. So what do we see? Ah, the misinterpretation comes into the fold. I didn't misinterpret my mama. I said, yeah, girl, you're the baddest they ever been. You, my mama, you didn't have any clothes on. But daddy must have been very very well balanced with the rhythm of life. He wasn't raping you like they're doing today, mama. Hey, mama, yeah, we need you, mama, because they have misinterpreted you. And I became sick because I saw you in the light that I was told that you was a savage. But mama, today, you are the one that helped me to walk in the Supreme Court of New York, mama. Yeah, you did it. You did it for me. Because the day that I walked in the Supreme Court in New York, I knew that the only way that I would have prevailed was putting you up front, mama, because you were balanced. You didn't have any philosophy. No, you didn't have that. You didn't have a dictionary. You didn't have any of those scholastic things. No, you didn't need that. Because you live by the dictates of life. You live just like the elephant. You live just like the gorilla. Obedience to the laws of life. This is why we didn't have any religion, because we didn't need it. Why? Because there were no sinners in Africa. Yes, mama. You coming through big time, Mama. Oh, yes. I am 80 years of age now. And I thought that the fire in me would have been smothered somewhat. But it is being like flaring up even more so at my age of 80 because I see where we have contributed towards entities that didn't serve Mama too well. Mama, you are bad. But as I look at you, Mama, I realize that the mothers of others is just as bad. So what I have to learn to do is to accept everybody's Mama. This is why, as a servant, I became the world's biggest butt kisser. That is Dr. C.B. Mm-hmm. Yes, it being peace. You see, it was once upon a time where I was so angry because my mama was a savage, and then they told me that she was less than that. But now, as Lisa Lopez told me, and she was 100% right, Lisa came to me for healing, but Lisa wound up healing me. 
because she mm-hmm. told me, hey, look, you, Lisa went on a fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and she did it, 42 days and 42 nights. And that morning at 2 o'clock, she came to my heart and said, Dr. Savi, you know what I was thinking about you? You need healing. Mm. You think she was wrong? No, she wasn't wrong. She's 100% right because there were levels of understanding that I had not yet arrived, and she saw it as a woman. And that's the thing I want to press upon the woman, Mama, the one that we have placed behind. We came out of her vagina, but all of a sudden, we think ourselves as being better than her. But yet, the dictates of life continues to show us. Turn your head to the forest. Have you ever seen cubs following daddy? No. Cubs only follow mama. You see, mama has the dictates of life. She is the one that knows the laws of life, not daddy. And I'm one. Okay? Yes, mama. I listen to you. I listen to you. Because you, you brought me Uwa. Uwa. Yes. After all the searching and the various steps on the ladder, I arrive at Uwa. Not condemning anyone before. No. Not condemning anyone before because they were necessary. So I was a good Muslim. I was a good Christian. I was a good everything. I like to be good at everything. I like to love everything. But now we find that Uwa came and said, "Uh Uh-uh, you were number one. Hey, hold it. I was never told that. You are number one. How could I be number one? Because you are unique. You are unique unlike any other being on the planet. And if anyone expects for you, to regurgitate something that they resemble, that they know of, or they doesn't know, they get angry because you shouldn't have said that. Why? Because they know how you should be. I don't know how that's possible, but this is what is occurring. We are being disrespectful to each other's, because you and I are different. How different are we? We cannot measure that difference. But we have to wait for it to manifest from each other's. So why I said that we have misinterpreted, just the way that they misinterpret Mama, being a savage, and she was the most righteous person on the planet. She didn't violate any of God's laws. That's why I am not a sinner, and I never were, I never will be. Oh, the misinterpretation again is now, what did we eat? And why is that important? Well, you see, when God or nature made things, it places things in various geographies, different geographies. Mm -hmm. Not only the geography matters, but also a temperature. You know, 
A temperature and a geography determines the cells that live within those boundaries. Just break it down now. You will not find coconut trees in Canada. You find them in the tropics. You would not find burdock in Honduras. You find that in Detroit and Chicago, where it's cold. You see, a plant is obeying the laws of life. A plant is obeying the laws of life, yet that plant had never been to school. The plant doesn't have any degree, neither did my mama. She was not a scholar. She was obedient to the laws of life, and this is why heaven knows how long she lived. And she didn't have any disease, no STDs, like it running rampant today, AIDS. She didn't have diabetes. Why? Because she obeyed the laws of life, meaning that her environment was all alkali. Her environment was alkali. Today, not so. You better know the science of hydrogen ion concentration. They call it pH. Well, why am I supposed to know about pH and my mama didn't? Uh, well, you see, uh, uh, about 600 years ago, uh, unknown to you fellas, they begin to manufacture food. Who did that? Oh, man, just don't even start. They started in Egypt. Egypt began the process. It was there where they began to make the cow because the Egyptians used to eat cows and ducks and stuff. And then it went on to Persia. And then it was Italy. And then it was England. And now the Dutch made the carrot. See, we don't know these things. But we are scholars. We have scholars in the black community. We could... I mean, just paint the world with them. But yet, none of them knows the food to eat that will bring about the love that is necessary at this point in the community. Do we need scholars? No. We need men like Benjamin Banneker, men like George Washington Carver, we need men like Charles Drew. We need men that produces things because it is about food, clothing, and shelter. Food is at the very top because the food doesn't necessarily mean a piece of bacon in your mouth because that is inconsistent with my cellular predisposition. Oh. Food, clothing, and shelter. But now... I can't think about food, clothing, and shelter. I'm a scholar. I got to get behind a desk with my tie and my white shirt, and we're going to philosophize on this thing here. Hey, but brother, look, man, our health has been compromised. You know, so why are we going to devote time with something else? Hey, we need our health back because we're not in love anymore. What you mean, Sebi? Look, man, in my house. I was a Muslim and my brother was a Christian. The other brother was a Buddha. And we came out the same vagina. That is what I'm talking about. That is what I am talking about. Yes, Mr. Scholar, that's what I'm talking about. 
we're going to philosophize. Each one legitimizes their position. You know, instead of it being centered around Mama, which is Africa, as they call her. I don't know if it is Africa either, because that's a word that came out of Europe. But we're going to use that for the sake of argument. So, we want to fix it. Of course we want to fix it, and we should fix it, because love is at the very bottom, and we want it to surface. We want it to be at the very top, that when I meet a Jew or an Eskimo, an Arab, or a Bedouin, I want to be able to feel the same thing for him that I feel about my own self because it is incumbent upon me to do so. But I can't, because I'm eating something that offends my very central nerve system. I don't even see my own brother in a good light, neither myself. So, Dr. Sabi, you now understand that it is the food. Let's get on with the business of cleaning up. We want to fix it. Okay. What is the model that we're going to use to fix it? The model, it was left back in Africa. The model was consistent with life. But we're not going to take our clothes off. Oh, God, no, we're not going to do that one because we are civilized now. We cannot take our clothes off now because somebody's going to grab you by your penis or somebody's going to grab some sister's vagina. You understand? That's how civilized we are. You see, we thought that the word civilized was indicative to and related to being civil, you know, like being cool, you know. Right. Be cool. Chill. No, you got to go back to mama. She didn't wear no clothes. And nobody was raping anybody. Now you wear clothes, they're going to drag it off. Hmm. Mama taught me, Dr. Sebi, as I'm called Dr. Sebi. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm no longer a servant. I'm a doctor. Dr. Sebi occupies a special place. Why? He's a doctor. He's a doctor. He nigga better be right. You understand? The nigga better do the right thing. Talk about a doctor. I'm your brother. That come with a message. That we need. We need this message. Not you. All of us. Because we all are sick. And I may be the sickest. But. In my state. Of recovery. By looking back to mama. We are able to remove AIDS. From many people. Sure we cure AIDS. Proud to say it. Uh, sickle cell anemia, blindness. But how? We go back to the model. The model didn't have any acid in her environment. She had alkali food. So, Dr. Savi, well, common sense, darling. Well, you, you got to uh, go back to the alkali world. And lo and behold, Things begin to change. Things begin to change. We got to fix it. But we're not going to put the parts of a Chevrolet in a Rolls Royce 
and we're not going to put the fuel of a diesel car with gasoline. And that's been happening. But we have scholars, but they have not touched upon that vital part, that area that would really allow us and help us to embrace each other, to really embrace. As a black man, as they call me, a black man, an African, I am indebted to a certain law that was designed for black people. But we don't know that law now because they want us to be like Chinese, they want us to be like European, they want to be like everybody but ourselves. So in 1978, how I'm going to see the benefit of this African thing, in 1978, I met a young man by the name of Dr. Kweku Ando. I said, Kweku, what are you studying? He said, I'm studying Chinese medicine. I said, but Kweku, why should you study Chinese medicine and not African? I said, because you don't look like a Chinaman to me. You look like an African or a Ghana. And he was from Ghana descendant. So what's wrong with African medicine? He said, look, man, I'm studying Chinese medicine. The boy died when last year or two years ago. Dr. Sidney, I met him in Chicago. I said, Dr. Sidney, what are you studying? He said, I'm studying homeopathy. Uh, Hahnemann, out of Europe. I said, but what happened to Africa? Hey, man, I'm studying homeopathy, okay? He died 12 years ago. The other one is Dr. Kite, Dr. Walde Kite. He was the brother that uh, helped me to open my place in New York. He was the one that helped me. In fact, it because of him why I got that place that I opened up. And I always felt indebted to my brother Kite. I said, Dr. Kite, uh, Sisters tricked me one night. Yeah, they took me to Dr. Kyle, and I began to talk and tear up all of the system of medicine that exists. And I didn't know this man was clinging to the Ayurvedic system of medicine. I said to him, Dr. Kyle, you still the Ayurvedic? He said, yes. I said, but in the Ayurvedic system, they recommend substance that are acid. And one of the things that, this, that they recommend is cow milk. And not only that, I said, they eat curry. And curry is made of polymers, meaning paprika and also cumin. These are polymers. The, these things are made in laboratory. They are artificial chromosomes. And this is why I said one-third of the dialysis patient in the world is found in India. He said, man, I don't know what you get your information from, but guess what? Dr. Kite died about, what, 10 years ago with kidney problems. You see, I, Sebi, stuck with the African thing. You see, when you compare the African modality of medicine, you would find that it is all centered in the naturalness of life, the organic world, the organic world. The geologists talk about the plants that are natural. They call them native plants. Why they are native? Because they are electrical. They came with the creation of the planet, just like we did. Mm -hmm. 
just like everything that's alive and electrical. You see, the only substance in the supermarket that is electrical is something that is made by Mother Nature. They call it native. Why it is native? Because it is complete. This was the argument that I brought to the Bronx Botanic Center of November of 1987 in New York when I was arrested. And the noise now is that this herbalist is arrested because he claimed to cure AIDS when all the other healers that were black in New York was against me. They even had a meeting to kick me out of New York. And I don't want to mention their name, but every black healer that was there beside me was doing that to me. Why? Because their position was threatened. Because they felt that I could not defend my place. I wasn't defending my place. I was defending mama. You see? They were talking about the the homeopathic, the allopathic. They talk about the yin-yang, the macrobiotic. They talk about the all these systems. But I didn't hear mama. Well, what's wrong with mama? And lo and behold, when I looked to mama... the meeting in the Bronx Botanic Center with these botanists from Yale or Harvard, they thought that they were going to play games with me. So this is how it began. The professor from Harvard asked me, Dr. Sebi, do you know the work of David Ayensu? That's how it began. I said, yes, I am acquainted with the work of Dr. David Ayensu. He's a Ghanaian. I say he's a member of the Smithsonian Institution. This man is a scholar. He is a member of the Smithsonian Institution because he's one of the world-leading botanists. Listen carefully. Dr. David Ayensu. Well, I say yes, I'm acquainted with his work. So the, the, the professor said, well, what do you think of it? You know, he's trying to isolate the active ingredients in the rosy periwinkle and applied to his botanical treatment to reverse leukemia. Boy, that sounds intelligent, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I look at this poor man and say, oh, God, why am I brought into this arena? I said, sir, I uh, said, what do you think of it? I said, I have questions. He said, yes. I said, well, about the leukemia, I said, I have history of cure leukemia without the aid of the periwinkle. But as for the periwinkle, I said, the periwinkle is a plant that was hybrid by the, by the French people in Madagascar. And because it is a hybrid plant, the molecular structure is incomplete. So therefore, it becomes an acid-based substance. It has cyanide. The man said, oh, my God. That's what the professor said. But there were two others. There was a little Italian who got kind of pissed off because I'm destroying what they thought was consistent. So he said, scholars too. They are scholars. So this other one threw a plant on the table and said, do you know what this is? Now look at this. He's going to take a plant, the root of a plant, and throw it on the table. 
I said, do you know what this is? I said, well, let us say, I don't know what this is, this plant. They are, how many billions of plants there are on the planet? There are trillions. I only know about 200, the most. And if I don't know this one, happen not to know this one, uh, is this going to negate my position? No. So why do you do this? Do I know this plant? That's not an intelligent thing to do. But as for this plant, this is called pelitre. The Mexicans call it yerba de oro. This plant is refrigerant. Now, do I get a PhD? <laughs> you see, they always play this PhD scholarly game on people. And they aren't doing shit. They have done everything. They would not do anything. We need practical people. We need people that is pragmatic. People that feel it is about food, clothing, and shelter. And I didn't have to argue with these punks. No, I didn't. I don't like that. But to prove myself, I have to go to the scientific jargon with them so that they could say, well, Dr. Savi is credible. They didn't say it because I was arrested in New York in 1987 because I said I cure AIDS. They publicized that I was a and I was a liar. And all my brothers who were healers in New York fled New York because they thought I was going to lose my kids because Robert Abrams said, this one I'm not going to put in the jail. I'm going to put him under the jail. Mm. And all others beside him, and they all fled. Dr. Love, Dr. This, Dr. 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 Fled, including Phil Valentine. Everybody fled New York, leaving me by myself. But when I walked in that Supreme Court, they who fled didn't know what I had in my brain, and neither did the court. And all I did was to ask three questions. Uh, Your Honor, is it a fact that the Holy Bible teaches that the herbs are for the healing of the nations? She said, yes. Is it a fact that the father of medicine Mr. Hippocrates cured every disease using plants. She said, yes. Establishing the principle of medical science? She said, yes. I said, but Your Honor, uh, the people who are supposed to be the followers of Hippocrates and his philosophy use chemicals today instead of plants. She said, oops. I said, last question. Is it a fact that the human body is carbon-based? She said, yes. Well, the substance to complement a carbon-based body must necessarily be carbon-based because the body only accepts a substance as nutrition through the process of chemical affinity. She said, right. Electric body, electric food. You go and ask the healers in America, the black healers in America today are poisoning our people, every one of them. They are selling plants that are unnatural and are acid-based. In fact, could you imagine that just a few years ago we had the Bahamian diet, and the Bahamian diet was soy and sodium? Soy. Well, if I'm not mistaken, soy was made in a laboratory. Soy has starch, has a complex starch, and they call it carbonic acid. It is carbonic acid. They don't call it. It is carbonic acid. And that was sold to us as food. 
and we bought it. So when someone comes to you with golden seal uh, and, and tell you that, that kidney beans is good for kidney problems, you know something has been broken, <laughs> so we have to fix it. We are obligated to fix it. But in fixing it, you have to walk very careful because you're going to step on so many people's toes. Oh, my God, you are in trouble, C.B. Why? Because brothers are recommending that the sisters eat tofu. And when you look at the sisters' compression, you can see that they are anemic. But you cannot tell these people to stop eating tofu. The other day when I was in Atlanta, I walked in this eatery place where the brothers have, you know, the brothers in Atlanta that sell the rest, that have the rest and that sell the tofu food. So when they saw me, look what the brother said from behind the counter. Oh, that doctor said he don't eat tofu. But if I don't eat tofu, why are you selling it? You should ask why doctor said we don't eat tofu. <laughs> tofu is trash. Tofu has no nutrients. Never had that. But we're eating it. So, Dr. People like to forget about everybody and say, you do your job. So I decided that I had to do my job. So I did decide to go to the forest of the world and select all the plants that are alkali and electrical and put together these compounds to be the servant to you that he wants to be. I want to be a good servant. Why not? You know, I have people working with me in Honduras. And there's one named Naeem, this little mother, I want to kill him. This young man is so beautiful that if I had the world to my disposal to give him, I would give it to him. He is a carpenter. He is amazing. He is beautiful. When you talk to Naeem, oh, my God, I said, you know, I hope that I am to my brothers and my sisters the servant that I want to be like this man is to me. I want to be that. Not only to the black race, to the world. To the world. And what does that say? Your mother, your mother was with me in New Orleans when something is going to manifest. Oh, my God. Your mama and I was in New Orleans. And I said to her, I said, just go to the Union Hall. I said, I used to be a seaman. And I know that my brothers are still seamen, many of them, because I was a merchant seaman for 10 years. And that was when I went to the Union Hall, and I saw all the brothers I want to see. And then when leaving, a dirty, 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 dirty white man was coming, walking towards us, and your mama and I separated, and he went by. I went by about five paces, I heard, Bowman! coming from this dirty, dirty, dirty white boy like he hadn't bathed in, in years and his clothes needed to be changed five years ago. And he turned back. He said, Bowman. I said, oh, God, who is this? This is Bert. This is Bert. This is Bert, Bowman. This is Bert. You were my only friend, this white boy from Mississippi. This white boy called me a nigger, called me a nigger a thousand times. And I look at him. This was on the ship. I said, Bert, say it again. Say nigger again, Bert. I like the way you say it. Say nigger, Bert. <laughs> say it. If you don't say it, I'm going to say it. I said, nigger. But it doesn't sound good, Bert. It sounds good coming from you. I want you saying it. 
but the white boy wouldn't say it again. He looked at me and realized that the word nigga didn't mean anything to me. So now 26 years went by and Bert remembered me. And guess what this white boy is going to tell me right in front of your mama? That I was his only friend. And that he knew one day that I would come back and heal him. How in the hell did he know that? I was a merchant seaman with him on a ship. But this is a natural occurrence. This white boy saw something. That's why I'm saying tonight, the word nigger, that doesn't mean anything. It's a beautiful word. In fact, look, everything is beautiful, man. You know, hey, my, my son says, I call me, hey, my nigger, and I like it. And I, when, when I was in the morning, look how far away we are from the love that we should have. When I was in the morning said that the sisters in, in, uh, in Memphis, the basketball team looked like a bunch of nappy-headed whores. Imus was 100% right. But we denied the man. Whoa, we jumped all over him. Everybody jumped on the man that he was wrong. I said, oh, my God. Poor Imus, they're going to slaughter him now. I would have gone to Imus and said, hey, Imus, how come... Of all the people in the world that saw the basketball team, you were the only one that said that they looked like a bunch of nappy-headed hoes. What it was that you ate that day, Imus? Because you need help. We need to help you, man. Really, we need to help you because nobody saw that but you. (laughs) (laughs) But instead of us healing Imus, we want to condemn Imus to the penalty of villainy. <laughs> no, it's about love. But the love that we need to to project and to deploy to others have to come from you internally, you. But the spiritual people who claim to have it all because they're spiritual, hey, look, that's another level. The spiritual people, oh, boy. They got the spirit. They're spiritual. They reach the level of spirituality where I transcend everything now. I have reached the level that I realize that I am spiritual. Hey, girl, uh, uh, why you invite me to your house to eat and you're eating this stuff here that is so dangerous and you're spiritual? <laughs> so look, like you spiritual people eat garbage. <laughs> But we don't see that. The other day when I was in New York, with a sister with, with with Amy Blewett, two sisters told me that one of them said to me that they liked me, but they couldn't get next to me because they found out that I wasn't spiritual. But I don't know what that is. I was in the forest of Africa having a ball, living among the trees and the fruits and the elephants and the giraffes and the lions. I was at peace. I was in harmony with nature. I didn't know how to be spiritual. I don't even know what that is. What is that? I don't know. Because I don't know. I have to be truthful. That is the part of me that I like most. I don't like my mouth because my mouth is loud. The nigger is loud. He's abrasive. But the one thing that I like about Sebi is that He's truthful. Yes. 
and that came with the healing. And much of it came with Lisa Lopez, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, because she saw that there was a level that I had not reached, even though I was healing people on this physical plane, as we know it. But there was an emotional one that she saw that I needed, and she was right. Even though I have been in this business for some years, it doesn't mean that I am close to others because I don't know everything. I would never know everything. Right. That's impossible. And I don't want to know everything. That's what hell of a responsibility. But yes, healing, we all need it, including Dr. Sebi. But to heal, you have to begin loving yourself. But to love yourself, you have to eat the food that would complement you, that would assimilate, that would resonate with you. Because not all of us are designed to eat the same food. Like the gorilla doesn't eat the polar bear food. Like the eagle doesn't eat the food of the lovebird in Africa. They eat seeds and fruits. The eagle eats meat. So we have to come to grip with ourselves now. And I'm not saying this like elevating myself above anyone. No, because I'm not above anyone. I'm the one that kissed butt. So how could I be above anyone? I'm the butt kisser. And then... I, I, I'm obligated to kiss everybody's butt if I'm the healer. You know? It's easy. It's easy. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. And once I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I was. I hated everybody. Not only white people and Chinese. I hated niggas too. And myself first. Didn't want to blow my brains out. I wanted to blow my brains out. And look at the coincidence. The night before I'm going to blow my brains out, I'm down in the ship talking to a group of people, and there was an Arab there named Suleiman, Michelle Suleiman. He was in the group listening to what I was saying. But the next day I'm going to blow my brains out. He's looking for me. I'm on top of the ship with a gun under an old mattress. I'm, in about five minutes, I'm going to hold on to the railings of the ship blow my brains out, and fall in the water. Cinnamon comes up there looking for me all over the ship. Guess what he's coming to tell me? He said, man, I'm looking for you. I've been all over the ship looking for you. What you doing up there? I said, man, I just come up here to smoke a joint. He said, man, I'm, I'm looking for you, man. You saved my life. You saved my life, man. The thing that you said last night, man, you saved my life, Bowman. Bowman, you saved my life, man. Ah. I said, oh, my God. I'm about to blow my brains out. And this man come tell me that I saved his life. Wow. Let me tell you something. Just like Suleiman saved my life, and he didn't even know, we need to reach out for each and every one of us. We've got to transcend the position of religion. I don't care if the brother or the sister is a Muslim or a Christian, or a Hebrew Israelite, or whatever that system may be, or brother, you are obligated to give them your love. Healing brings that. Healing affords that. And it is delicious, because now the fear is gone, you know? Like, you could relax now, because, well, you love everybody. You have no problem. 
That's healing. So when the brother came to me and said, I no longer have AIDS, Frank White from Dorchester, Massachusetts, I said, hey, like, uh, thank you. He said, why are you thanking me? I said, i got to thank you, man, because you trust your body in my hands. In fact, you were already dead when I went to you in Boston. When they took the remedy for you in Boston, you already had your coffin in the room just waiting to put you in it. Now you came back from that position to this. i got to thank you. You understand? I said, better make sure. I better make sure that what I'm doing is right and that if there is something in it that is not quite right, make it right. And don't be afraid to listen to others. Shut your mouth, you shut up. And I've been told that many times. I was in D.C. giving a speech. And a brother said, when I came to the hour of Q&A, he said, I don't have a question. I have a statement. I said, very good. My statement is that you don't know what the hell you're talking about, and everything you said was a bunch of garbage. I said, sir, I know you are right. I know you are right. I said, dear audience, I've been lecturing for 18 years, and I thought that my premise was consistent because the one thing that I be, I'm careful of is deploying something that isn't that is true. I'm careful. I don't want to deploy anything that isn't true because that come back to bite my back, and I don't want that. But today, I'm finding out that I'm not wrapped too tight. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go sit in the audience with you because the beautiful thing of today is the brother said that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, and he may be right. The brother Chess may be right. But we're going to find out in a minute because I'm going to go and sit with you and he's going to come at the podium and he's going to educate us. But instead <laughs> of the brother doing that, he began to call him all kind of ugly names and stuff. And then the audience began to boo. The brother said, no, the brother isn't asking for booing. The brother is not asking for us to respond that way. The brother showing us that he's angry. We're not supposed to jump in the same booth with him. We've got to drag him out of it. So that incident passed. Three months later, I'm in New York, and a woman came and said that her husband was in a wheelchair and that he needed treatment, but he couldn't come. He still had to take it to him. She took the treatment to her husband. Two months later, while I'm in New York, this man came and said to me, Dr. Sebi, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you. I said, brother, I appreciate you. He said, man, I love you. I said, brother, I know you love me. I love you, too. I have to love you. He said, you know who I am? I said, no. I'm the man that tried to offend you in Washington. And he looked at me, and we both smiled. You see, the brother didn't try to offend me. The brother was angry. Nobody could offend you. Nobody on this planet could offend you. Nobody but yourself. So if someone direct words that are not too pleasant to you, just remember this. They are angry and that you have to heal them now. Look at Bert. Bert called me a nigger. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Bert called me a nigger 
because Bert was overflowing the evaporator. And I went to tell Bert that he should stop doing that because every time I take the watch over in the engine room, the evaporator was overflowing. He said, nigga, don't talk to me. Ain't no nigga talk to me. Nigga. I said, but what? what? You said nigga. I said, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, that same white boy said to me that I was his only friend. Wait. And your mama saw me give this white boy some money because... The other people that took me to New, to New Orleans, the white people that took me to New Orleans paid me $3,500. So I went in my pocket, and I don't know how many dollars I gave birth. So your mama said, I'm going to tell the folk that you gave the white boy the slave master's son money. I said, what did that do for the slave son? That the son of the slave have to come and save the world. Why not? What better position? What better position than that of a servant to the world? Tell me, what is more exalted than that? Hmm. That's us. That's not Savi. That's us. That's always was us. And we in the group, there's the Aztec, the Maya, the Lenka, the Paya, the Native American. We all part in that family. We didn't invade each other. No, we didn't leave Africa to go and take over the land of the Tomahawk or, or the Blackfoot or the Sioux. And the Maya didn't leave Honduras to go to Africa and take over our land. No, we live within the boundaries that was designed for us that we came from. But they told you and I that Darwin theory of evolution is what we all should follow and think and believe, but if that is true, then Darwin must have been a little bit intoxicated when he was writing this stuff or thinking about what he <laughs> The man said that we all came from one life cell and that through the process of evolution, a fish became a fish and a human being became a human being and an elephant, but we all came from that one life cell. Well, how come... It, it it metastasized, or, or or did it perform what you call monocryotic division? Man, come on, behave yourself. <laughs> Just stop it. And that's not even important to know how the world began and how human beings began. We know that we came from that continent they call Africa. Okay. Just find what was the rule, what was the law that governed us there, and just proceed on. Because for right now, we are right. We're not right because we're not in love. We're not in love. I had brothers, man, on both sides, Muslims and Christians, that dislike me, and that's okay. I understand why. It's not that they're bad or they're wrong. They're supposed to, after all. Look at what they did with me. They took the gorilla and put a diaper on him and then fed him blood. I'm eating meat. I'm eating lamb. You think I'm not angry? My own brother that came out the same womb with me disliked me. And he had a reason to. And he was right. He was right. So what we have to do is to get ready. But like everything else, you know, uh, uh, when you said necessity is the mother of invention, 
Well, there's always something that comes to rescue us. Urwa came. And Urwa made sure with the three commandments that you are number one. It began with you. When others remove the you and they want you to abandon you and read this and follow this, hold it. I am the product of the universe, so therefore the universe should be the, the model I should follow, not a book. Don't tell me about no books. I'm not a product of any book. I'm a product of the universe. And that's what follow up brings. You are number one. And second is that you do not offer yourself anything that hurts. And third, offend no one or anything. And that's it. Mm. You go through life. But we didn't know that. See, we've been offending ourselves with the food that we've been eating. Don't offer yourself anything that hurts. That's the second commandment. Do not offer yourself anything that hurts. But when we look around, everybody offers us things that hurt. You know? They, look, I, I was in Zimbabwe, and a young sister was eating moths, flies. She would catch the moth flies and eat them. Why? Because they had protein. Protein from a fly? And what is protein? Uh, young lady, where you get this word protein from when you're in the middle of the jungles of Zimbabwe, in Bulawayo? Where you get this word protein? Yeah, but science said, look, hold it. What is protein? The body is composed of 102 minerals, same as the clouds and sea salt water, and the river water, and the soil of the planet. 102 minerals, so is the human body. Where, where the protein comes in? Is it electrical? I don't know. But why in the hell do you want to talk about it? Everybody talk about protein, but everybody getting sick every day. Hmm. You see? We didn't have protein in the forest. Because we didn't eat any meat. And they tell you that the highest source of protein is meat and then it's a hog. Well, if you want to nourish yourself, protein is one of the most necessary food, they claim, scientifically. It is one of the 19 amino acids, the building blocks of life. Oh, yeah? And where do you find that? Oh, the highest source of protein is hog. All you got to do is eat a plate of hog every day and you're all right. Say <laughs> <laughs> good day. Take hey, out. We need love. We they f- need they fell love. For it. Look, in the book that we're writing, Demberley, I have to talk about Lisa because Lisa was seeing things that I didn't see. And I'm talking about way back 1990. No, 1998. Lisa was talking to me. Or 2000. And she came to me for healing. But she, being a female, naturally, she is prepared to see things that I would never see because she is the potential mother. And nature did not give me that sight. I'm a male. I perform the duties of a male, not a man. I don't know what a man is. That's another thing we've got to get away from. I'm a man. Oh, yeah? And what the hell is that? You came out of a vagina, say, it must be not. <laughs> the man came out of a vagina. 
We all need healing. And to heal, we have to cleanse the body. An intracellular chelation. That is what mama teaches to do. The African bio-mineral balance. What is the African bio-mineral balance? It is a therapeutical approach that negates the position of the allopathic that claim that they are multiple disease. The African bio-mineral balance identify only one, one disease. Dr. Sebi, are you sure you know what you're talking about? Well, I think so. We'll explain. What is the one disease? I see, Your Honor, you already know what the one disease really is. She said, try me. I said, when someone is suffering with sinusitis, what is obstructing the nasal passage? She said, mucus. And when another is suffering with bronchitis, what's in the bronchial tube? She said, mucus. And when another is suffering with pneumonia, what's in the lungs? She said, mucus. Dr. Victor Herbert didn't like for the judge concurring with me. She said, and what about AIDS? And what about AIDS? You want your one disease theory? I'll say, Ronald, I never believe in theories. I don't even entertain theories. I don't, I, that's something I don't do. Either I know something or I don't know. He asked, what about AIDS? I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, Your Honor. Where the mucus is in the skin, the blood, and the lymphatic system that makes up the immunological system. That's where you find the mucus. And I should know because I cure AIDS. Just stop it now. You don't have to be afraid. Afraid of who and what. I was never afraid of God or the devil. In fact, I love God and the devil. I can't live in love and hate. Because you teach me, you remember I was a good Christian, and you teach me that everything God made is good. And the Koran teaches that the the trees are for healing. So you see, like the Muslims and the Christians, they got good tenants. They teach us good things because I was a product of them. I learned from both. And I love both. I have no problem. Why should I have a problem? I found Mama. She brought that peace that I wanted, the peace that I needed, the peace that Lisa Lopez saw that I didn't have at the time. <laughs> I wanted to kill Lisa that night. She come to me for healing, and she got the nerve to tell me that I need healing. You know something? When she told me that, I froze because I knew that she was telling the truth. Hmm. I knew that. I knew that. And I love her for that. I love her. Oh, I miss her. Yeah, I miss her. That was a beautiful sister. Oh, she was beautiful. Oh, we used to talk about some beautiful things. She wanted us to go to Africa. We were going to go to Guinea and Gabon to open these health centers and begin to spread the word because Africa, Africa is in trouble. 
Africa's in trouble. Africa, Africa on the scale from 1 to 10, comparing it with other countries in the level of nutrition, Africa's at a 1. They're feeding Africa everything that doesn't belong in the biology of a black man. And they're feeding it to them with joy, with a smile on their face. They'll be giving them corn and rice and wheat. And the poor African people eating it with a smile on their face without realizing I'm being poisoned. It's not the food of our fathers. Who love us? We have the responsibility to fix it. And that's what it's about tonight, right? To fix it? Okay. To begin with, whenever you leave the studio and you're going home, you're going to realize that everybody in front of you deserves the same love that you have for yourself. And if he or she does not deploy it to you, afford it to you, well, you already know. They're sick. They need healing. And that you have to heal them. You understand? I'm the man. I am I'm the man. Hell, I ain't no damn man. I am the brother that came home and found his wife in bed with another man and had to heal her 25 years later. And yet, I know brothers that were very close to me that was in Islam with me, that when his wife left him, he, he, he killed himself. And I know another one that killed my cousin. You see, why didn't I do that? But yet, I reached that level where I want to kill my wife, Marilyn. Of course I want to kill this woman. She didn't deserve to live. Why should she, be, why should she live? When I'm in misery, damn it! Boy, I swear... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, insanity. Insanity. Insanity is manifesting every day on many levels, but it's all because of what? Well, we eat. Deprivation of food, malnourished, undernourished. Yes. We need healing. We all need healing. And I'm glad that I grew up. It's not too late. I'm just 80 years of age, but I grew up long enough uh, to listen. Because it was once upon a time I didn't listen, damn it. After past 30, I began to mouth off. I listened at first. Then I stopped because I thought I knew something. Didn't know anything. Right. Still growing. But why should you say that? You have cured people of AIDS and blindness. Oh, yeah. That's not healing. That isn't healing at all. Healing is when you are able to help the community to maintain that level of life that is pleasant for everyone, and everyone is on that level. Not one or two individuals of a sore and a pain. No. Healing is when you could walk down uh, Brooklyn on, on, on Atlantic, on New York Avenue, 
and you have a bag of money in your pocket, in, in your hand, like two million dollars, and you're in an alley at two o'clock in the morning, and some brothers walking towards you, two brothers walking towards you that you don't know, and the feeling that you have in your head is that they're coming to help you. Wow, that's healing. <laughs> that is healing. You see, healing, it tells you when you're sick, though. The minute that you feel adverse towards something or someone, that mm-hmm. is telling you, hey, I'm sick. Because I don't like Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Jews. I hate Arabs. I, 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 oh, just, you're just crazy. When everybody represents like the flowers in the field. You know, there are some pretty, pretty Chinese women. I've seen some pretty Chinese women. I've seen some pretty African women. I've seen pretty, pretty, everybody pretty, everybody beautiful. After all, we're unique. And this nigga here, say me, tell him he ain't cute. (laughs) Our nigga's old, but yet he thinks he's the cutest dude in the whole wide world. like me. I'm unique. And I learn to be very extremely careful with self. You don't mess with self. Mess with anything but self. Self is a one-eyed monster. Look, it's about love. And when you walk out that studio tonight, you're going to show that and you're going to feel that. You're going to live that. And not everybody in the world deserves your love. You better give it up. Because if you hate me, hey, I don't feel your hate. Keep on hating me. Like when I went to Australia in 1952. No, 1955. I went to Australia, Melbourne, Queensland. They, they thought I was a gorilla with a tail on me. But I was okay. That's okay. That changed now. Everybody's on a different vibe. Of course. Mm-hmm. But we have yet to address our situation, our condition, because we are still on this scholarly level of thinking. I'm a philosopher. And and in the 60s and 70s, boy, we had more teachers and, and leaders and and philosophers and scholars, <laughs> they used to be talking about this Socratic dialogue and Plato's Republic. When the hell came about Plato's Republic? Huh? Like they come asking me one day about, about uh, did I read Plato? And I'm talking about biochemistry. This is on Canal Street by Samaj. I'm on Canal Street talking about biochemistry, botany, and pathology. This was the subject matter. This brother asked me, have you read Plato? Man, I don't even know who Plato is. Who is Plato, man? (laughs) (laughs) He was a Greek philosopher. Oh, yeah? What does he have to do with botany, pathology, and biochemistry? Did he entertain this? No, but why in the hell are you going to ask me about this dude? 
<laughs> this dude didn't talk about life. In fact, he was drunk. He must have been intoxicated because he talked about Atlantis, an imaginary place that's supposed to have existed, and they tried to make it real. Everything they tried to make real. Well, I don't care if it was real or not. I was in the forest of Africa entertaining myself quite well. It wasn't working. Didn't have any any car to punch. I was on vacation every day. I live in harmony with life and love. That's because right. once you're in harmony with life, you're in love automatically. Automatically, you are in love. This is why we invited the, the foreigners when they came, when the Portuguese came and the British came and the Italian, they could have taken us any way they wanted to. Why? Because we didn't live hate. We don't know what these, the intent of these people were. But that had to occur. That incident or that occurrence had to occur. Because nothing occurred that wasn't supposed to occur. Everything. Right. That's why, like Pushkin, the black, Af- the, the black Russian, when he said that there could be no occurrence unless that occurrence was supposed to occur. But we have a tendency to negate reality and replace it with a preposition. No, we don't do that. We live life like we did in the jungles. That's why I don't know anything about Moses opening up the Red Sea. I don't know anything like that. I was told that. I don't know that. I was in the jungles of Africa when all that was supposed to be happening. How would I supposed to know that? Right. How about Noah and the ark? That's cool, too. It may have happened. I don't know about that. I was in the forest of Africa, running around with all no clothes on, enjoying life at its fullest. Mm-hmm. And nobody was grading me. Oh, he got an F. <laughs> They're going to grade you, not nature. Nature's not going to do it. Some professor in a class, oh, he made a, oh, man. He was a sea Irish man, you know. This dude wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. He didn't pass his exam. He didn't get his doctorate degree. Oh my God. Degree, what? degree. And I know, look, I know a man named Elliot that used to teach in Isla Vista. Man, he used to have to run home and write books and books and books and read books while I was sitting by the ocean looking at the. At the seagulls, he used to be home digging. <laughs> and the boy died young. You see? But when I look at the model in Africa, and I see these brothers chilling it under a tree, boy, what? No, look. Wait. Let us try to imagine. Let us try to imagine that state of existence where you take your clothes off, and you, you say, okay, that's it. Don't ask me about no tax. Don't ask me about no religion or philosophy. Don't ask me about no money. I don't have any of that. And then you're going to live like that? They were some superhumans. They didn't have any money? No. And they lived millions of years in the forest like that? Yeah. And they didn't have any alcohol? No. Oh, my God. No cocaine? No. 
Well, no, they took me out of the forest and they put me in an environment which is a Christian environment. And in that Christian environment, I got alcohol. I got prostitutes. I could go and buy. I could buy me some vagina with some money. I didn't have that in the forest. We didn't buy anything. We lived natural. And we weren't spiritual because that word didn't exist. <laughs> As if, if the world existed, how are we going to use it? You know, like they tell us that we were kings and queens. Have you heard that? Heard it. Of course you have. We were kings and queens in Africa. Oh, yeah? Well, okay, brother, just take it back. Come on, just go back to the model. We were all naked. Uh, when did this king and queen stuff started? <laughs> <laughs> because if we all were naked and we said, we said, Savi, hey, Savi, we elected you to be the king, man. Go sit on that stool, that, that golden chair, there, that stool. You're the king now. Hey, Savi, why do we need you? Because you're the king now. Just, just, just stop it. You are the king. Why do we need you? Well, I don't know, but you guys elected me king. You almost need me for something. <laughs> Misinterpretation again. Hey, bro, ain't nobody better than anyone. Me, I'm having a ball. I'm at this age 80, and I'm not hooked up to a machine or taking a bunch of pills. I'm angry. No, I'm having a ball. And I'm I'm going to have a ball until I pass on. I'm going to make sure of that, because I deserve that. But to get there, you have to love everybody. Beginning with yourself, because if you don't have it for you, you can't love anyone. You wind up committing suicide. So it's about love. That is the, like, the end product of healing. But healing, who needs healing? We all need healing. All of us need healing. When a brother or a sister afford himself to you as a healer, please make sure that the substance that the brother gives you or the sister gives you isn't one that hurts. Because at least Hippocrates said that is the first commandment in healing, never affording your patient, your client, something that hurts. You don't do that. That causes injury. No. It's about love. It's about love. And I believe you. I'm talking tonight, and Lisa Lopez is in front of my face. I could see her. Because I knew she knew the value of it. She knew. She knew that we had to get there. You know. Hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Healing is a beautiful thing. Uh, since we began the journey, Dr. Sebi, you know, he began in 1968. He jumped on the journey of healing because he knew that once he was healed, that healing was possible. And this is why my healing came from a Mexican. And this is why we should 
look at people in the same light that we see ourselves because he was a Mexican. He wasn't a black man that healed a black man. He was a Mexican. You understand? But he helped a brother. So why can't we help some Jews? Why can't we help some Eskimos and some Chinese? But instead of us helping other races, we jump on their bandwagon. And that is inconsistent because nature did not make the same law that governs a Chinaman, a black man, or a white man, or an Eskimo, or a Bedouin. The laws are different. And we have not treated that difference. This is why many times when we say that we love, it is good. It is very, very good to say, I love you. But we want to live that. We want to ensure that all the time. Not only say it. We want to live it. We want to live it. Oh, God, yes, we want to live it. And I know I feel ashamed of many things that I have done in the past that didn't quite. Uh, uh, express what I'm talking about tonight but we happen to still be alive and that there is hope but I could say that I got over the hump but many of my brothers didn't like three of them are gone you know the preacher the mechanic and the other one which was the the businessman they're all gone and they didn't get, get a chance to really reach that level of of uh, life, you know, to feel that, to afford that, to enjoy that. But that was their predilection. Like, this is mine, and mine isn't better than theirs. I just had a job to do. And I hope, I hope that I'm doing it right. And every day, I do more research on top of research. Right now, we are in the village of Honduras, the village of Usha, and uh, we are building new buildings for laboratories, organic laboratories. This is why we would like to have a crew of brothers and sisters, you know, a cadre dedicated to what? Healing. But we have to be under one umbrella because the one thing that you have to admire the physician for is that the physician follows the same philosophy, whether you are in Russia whether you're in America, Cuba, or you are in Venezuela, they follow the same thing. With healers, no. Everybody have a different approach to healing, and everybody make different recommendations. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. And to show you what prejudice does, prejudice, oh, prejudice is dangerous. In 1988, the Usha Research Institute, under the leadership of Dr. Sevi, presented the argument in the Supreme Court of New York, showing that, yes, the African has a place in the annals of pathology and healing, and presented the African biomedical balance, and it prevailed over the physicians. Listen carefully. What we did was to set a precedent, proving to the world that the black man cure AIDS, 
and that the black men cure diabetes and blindness and sickle cell. Not Dr. Savy, the black race. But because of the level of our disease, the leaders did not support that. They cannot support it now. And all the leaders in media that are black, except you and few others, you all are not going to, they, they're not going to do that. No, they're not going to support healing. That's how sick we are. We prefer to die. We prefer to die than to submit to something that comes from another black person. We are not trained to do that. In Honduras, all of the workers that, that are black that work with me, every single last one did something to offend the village. The others, not so. Not so. So we have to change that. We, we have to change that particular frame of thinking, that pattern. And that only comes with this education of the food, you know, knowing what to eat. We have to help the elders that are sick and they're being poisoned. We have to reach out for them because they have things to offer us. But in the state of their stress and disease, they're angry and they're stressed and they're weak. We have so much work to do, but it's so easy. All we have to do is come together under the canopy of love. That's all. That's all. Make sure that you do the right thing. Do the right thing, like your boy said. Yeah, (laughs) do the right thing. The right thing, but you can't give black people carrot juice. You can't give black people any any lamb. Lamb is worse than pork a hundred thousand times. But they get you going and they get you coming. Some of us eat lamb, some eat chicken, some eat pork. Hey man, what's this? No nobody loves us? Okay, fine. If nobody loves us, that's fine. Let us begin to do that for ourselves. Yeah. Let us do that. Can you explain the uh, science behind lamb and why it's worse than Paul? Uh, say it again. I say, can you explain the science behind the lamb and why indeed it's worse than Paul? Yes. Number one is that the lamb and the pork both are hybrids. They were made by cross-breeding. In that process of cross-breeding, a lot is lost and broken down. The lamb has something in it they call lanolin, which is very heavy. It's so heavy that when you fry a piece of lamb in oil and you put it beside the stove after 10 to 20 minutes, you got a very thick crust on it, very heavy, white, 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 thick crust. Mm-hmm. That settles in the blood and makes the blood heavy, and it plays havoc on the brain. That's one, because it is a hybrid. But then the second thing about the lamb is the anthrax germ. The right. anthrax germ is found in the core of AIDS. The bovine and the anthrax is always present. So the lamb has the anthrax, like the cow has the bovine. But the anthrax, 
is worse than any trachina that comes out of the heart. But we don't know these things. You see, look, <clears throat> when you ask the question about the science of these animals and the difference, it's a very good question. But why didn't this question address, why wasn't this addressed 100 years ago, 500 years ago? I mean, a better question would be, why isn't it being addressed right now in the nation of Islam? It's the time. It's the time. We have to shift now. We, we're not expecting anyone else to do it, but those of us that are a little bit more aware of the things that they exist and that which Mother has to offer. Yes. The lamb is bad. And it is seen among the Arabs. They've been fighting each other with knives and stuff, boy, for millenniums. And they don't, they, they go up each other's throat. They don't think a second. Yet they say that the West is their enemy, but they are the greatest enemy because they fight among themselves. They slaughter themselves up. Look at Iran and Iraq. They don't play. And in the name of Allah, they go after each other's throat. You know? So right. it shows that something has been broken. <laughs> because that's insanity. You know, two Arabs fighting. You know, look at now, Syria. Um, can I ask you, have you ever tried to relate this information to the hierarchy of the nation of Islam? In regards to the lamb and the bean pie? I can't do that. You can't do that, and you better not do that. <laughs> no, you are your mind. Right. Because, you see, it, was, it, it, it would be cool if we were living in a time in which information is received for its value. No, we live in a time in which the information that I have was given to me, and I believe it, and I'm going to die for it. And you come telling me that I am wrong? Oh, my God. The only person on this planet that likes when they tell him that he's wrong, one of them is Dr. Sebi. And when you tell Dr. Sebi that he's wrong, at that very second, Dr. Sebi knows that he's going to grow because he's going to abandon that perspective and hold on to the new because it has more substance and value. Yeah? You try it. You try it. When I was with Michael Jackson, they were saying things about me that wasn't too cool, but that was okay. And I was the one that brought Michael back from the stupor that he was in. I had Michael jumping up on the SUV. I had Michael singing. Michael woke me up one night, 2 o'clock in the morning, because he was so happy. But uh, they didn't make any effort to spread that news among their followers. In fact, in 1989... There was a meeting 
at the State Harlem Building, the Afro-American War on AIDS. And a group of mischievous sisters called me and said, Sebi, you got to go to this meeting because they're talking about the war on AIDS and we know that you have the bomb. I said, who's going to be at the meeting? And the name, the doctors who are going to be at the meeting, I said, they're not going to let me talk. You better go and find a way that you're going to talk. I said, oh, God. So they sent this limousine, and I jumped in it, and I went to the meeting at 11 o'clock. And when I got to the meeting, there was a lot of white people there and some Chinese and some mainly blacks. There was Dr. Barbara Justice and Dr. Prince and Dr. Love and Dr. 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 Doctors. I said, boy. I'm in the middle of a lion's den. <laughs> How am I going to survive this? So what I did, I'm going to find a way. I'm mischievous too. There was a man talking about how they should make the AIDS patient comfortable until he dies. Bad manners. I, I jumped up. When the brother was about to sit down, I jumped up. I said, the brother is right. The brother's absolutely right, and all eyes on me. I said, but we have reached a level that we could afford something a little bit better. We cure AIDS. When I said that, (laughs) this this thing is crazy. Oh, my God. Why am I so crazy? Why am I so stupid to believe that because I come with this enthusiasm, of doing something for our race that everybody else is on the same platform. No, 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 no. They have a different agenda. And I think that's your job to find out what is that agenda because what I got was this. You shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. I said, but why should I shut my mouth? Well, because Dr. Ali Mohammed is coming from Washington to give us a very important message on AIDS. I said, well, he better come with a very good one because we have history of curing AIDS in a month. So he better come with one where he cure AIDS in a day. No, he's coming to tell us that AIDS kill black people. I said, we are totally oblivious to that. We need him to tell us that AIDS kill black people. <laughs> the other one were, no, look, this is serious. Right. So all of the people were there, they were Muslim, they were Christians, they were Buddhists. Did you hear anything about it? No. And what about when Michael Jackson took me to the Rayborn Building in Washington, D.C. on the 34th day of March of 2004? And I'm talking, who was there? Jesse Jackson, Jr., from the House Ooh. of Appropriation. Well, he was in the news today. What you say? He was just in the news today. I know he was in the news. I saw him on the news uh, in 204. Why? Nine years ago. Because he had a big stomach in front of him like he was 18 months pregnant. And anybody with a great big stomach like that is in trouble. He got worms in there. His thinking pattern is completely destroyed. He may do anything. Now, I showed them in the Rayborn building in Washington that I cure AIDS. And they didn't tell anybody that. 
Then I was someplace else running my mouth. They say, you crazy. So I went to my mama. I said, mama, what's been going on? I said, you know, I spent all this year doing research, uh, you know, for uh, our people because we're sick. And they reject it. The leader doesn't want to hear me talk because they think that I'm something other than good. I am something bad, you know. And I want to know why. What's this? She said, well, you said it. They're eating the wrong food. So you got to wait. And that's what I'm doing now. I know that the Oprah Winfrey's and the NAACP's, and they're not going to do this. And, you know, we cure AIDS, and AIDS is killing Africa. But they're not going to have this. They're not going to do that. They're about something else. Africa's dying right now. AIDS? Africa's not dying with AIDS. Africa's dying because Africa is anemic. Mm. Africa is anemic. Africa is weak. Every country in Africa eat garbage. They eat starch and blood, uric acid and carbonic acid. The other one that I had to fight through was at Howard University. Howard University, 1983, May 18, 1983, Dr. Landerdorf left Abidjan, Ivory Coast, Africa. Oh, I'm glad I remember in this. He came to tell the people at Harvard University about the patient that he'd been doing research with with the disease of sickle cell in Abidjan. So my wife said, Matun, you have to go to that meeting. I said, you are crazy. They're not going to let me speak. You've got to go anyway, and you're going to talk. Well, I went because the woman is pushing me. So I went. And there, Dr. Landedoff, I went there with a sister named Adi and Adisa and my wife and me. And this Frenchman is talking about how he'd been monitoring this patient with sickle cell anemia. And what he saw, listen carefully now, brothers and sisters, what he saw, Dr. Landedoff, in this patient over 14 years of research, that under certain stress condition, he exhibited the presence of lactocomia. His sickle cell patient, under certain stress condition, exhibited the presence of lactocomia in his blood. And all of the doctors at Harvard University clapped. I said, oh, my God, why do I have to get up? I'm always getting myself in trouble. <laughs> I got up. I said, Dr. Landedoff. You know, may I ask a question? I would like to be clarified because, Dr. Landerdorf, everybody agrees with you but me. And it's not that I'm disagreeing. I just have some questions. And it may do to my ignorance because I am that. I'm very ignorant. But I, I think that I deserve a response from you, sir. Dr. Landerdorf. Did you say that the patient that you were monitoring exhibited lactocomia in his blood? He said, yes. Do you disagree? I said, no, I'm not disagreeing. But lactocomia, isn't lactocomia a derivative of lactic acid? He said, yes. And lactic acid is a direct product of milk. He said, yes. But what 
are you giving your sickle cell patient milk for? And he's a black man. When milk is totally offensive to the cellular predisposition of a black man. In fact, the researcher that first discovered that was Mr. Pavo Ariola from Finland. He said in his book, How to Get Well, Direction 2, page 190, that if your ancestors are African, no, if your ancestors are European, your body is programmed to digest milk. But if your ancestors are Indian and African, your body is not programmed to digest milk. So how is it that you are offering this? And the man froze. The man didn't believe that in the audience there was one that was going to destroy his crazy premise. Then I asked him before I left. I said, Dr. Lanadoff, you mind if I ask you a question? What is sickle cell? You, you know what he said? What did he say? He didn't know. Wow. This was at Harvard University, May 18, 1983. All right? I had to fight through the botanic center with this crazy boy throwing the herb on the table. I had to fight in the Harlem State Building. I had to fight with this Dr. Landedorf. How many more fights do I have? Why do I have to fight? I cure AIDS. Of course I do. And I'm proud of it. I'm proud to tell the world that the son of Africa is curing AIDS. Why not? Not say be. I'm the son of Africa. But it is difficult to find a brother who is a scholar to really look at Africa with the love and the compassion. No. He's a scholar. He's European now. He writes and he reads books. We don't need no book writer, no book reader. We need people to build now. That's what we need. To respond, the, the, the man that was taken to, to Honduras just last month with Parkinson's disease and he's in a wheelchair, he's paralyzed. Huh? The man is walking up, he doesn't have Parkinson's disease. And that was done by Dr. Sebi, who is not a scholar. And then there's a sister who left Trinidad with herpes. She no longer have herpes. That was done by someone that isn't a scholar. The son of Africa doesn't need to be a scholar. He needs to be connected to the energies of life. And there he finds the answer to every problem that we are beset with. It's about love. Just stop it. Just stop the whole damn thing. It's about love. Stevie Wonder... If you want to call me three days ago, he's going to Honduras in March. So if you're going to Honduras, I would go in the first week in March because I'm going to be there. Stevie's going to be there. Stevie right. said to me when I got back from uh, this uh, this church in Harlem. No, it was in Brooklyn. It was in Brooklyn on the corner of Nostrand and Church Street. A woman asked when I gave the speech, Dr. Sevi, you mind if I ask you a personal question? I said, you may ask any personal question. doesn't matter. What have you learned from the entity of healing? What have you personally learned from it? 
that was when I said I longed to kiss everybody's butt. That's what I longed. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so delicious. I longed to kiss butt and enjoy the smell instead of kicking it and have to pay dire consequences later. Uh-uh. When you're butt kisser, everybody loves you now. That's a secret, huh? That's if it is a secret. It's it's delicious because now you love yourself and others, and it's easy now. You don't have any problem. There's no reason to dialogue, no reason to to argue or dialogue. If you do that, you're crazy. Because I saw many of that. I saw much of that. I was in the revolutionary parties. I was in the philosophical. I was a mason. I was everything. Man, look, uh, Urua came and said, shut up, man. All that is garbage. Get on the bandwagon of healing. You need healing. And that's it. Just heal. Just heal. We are sick. We're so sick that I was taken away from Africa, right? I was taken away from Africa. We know that we're Africans. You go back to Africa without a passport. Hey, bro, where your passport? Hey, hey uh, Mr. Immigration, you know I was taken away from here. You step over there. Put the man aside. <laughs> they did that to me. <laughs> In Entebbe, Uganda. <laughs> why, why did they put you aside? I said, because this officer asked me for my passport, and I want him to know that I don't need a passport to come back to Africa because... I was taken away from here. You mean to tell me I can't come back freely again? No, you can't. You need a European passport, boy. When they take you away from here, they didn't have any passport. But now you need one. But who made that kind of arrangement? Well, we don't know. It wasn't African, but you're going to have to have one. We obey everything that comes out of Africa, not from Africa. Wow. That's how sick we are. I can't go back home. And do you know something? We know that we have the formula. We go back to Africa and turn this thing out, you know. We could stop all disease within five years in Africa. We could stop every disease in Africa. We could build communities free of garbage. We could begin to grow hemp, to grow, to grow plants, to feed our children and to make cloth. We could grow marijuana for medicine. We shouldn't be prohibited to grow marijuana. We always grew it. So did the American Indian, the Native American. Or all of a sudden, President Kennedy, father came, Joseph Kennedy came and prohibited it, went to hell with him. That's a God product. Oh, no, my brother used to preach. He was a preacher. He used to jump on me for smoking marijuana. Oh, yeah? Well, how come you smoking cigarette and drinking alcohol? God didn't make that. But he sure made marijuana. And there is a book written in Ecuador where marijuana, marijuana is effective for 20-plus diseases. All of a sudden, somebody from Europe outlawed it, and I'm supposed to follow the law. 
can't take my clothes off because I go to jail now. I can't use marijuana. No, because that's prohibited by whose law? I got to follow this law that, oh, man, I can't be myself anymore. I can't eat the food of my fathers anymore because you can't find it now. And if you look for it, you're in trouble. Incredible. Let me open up uh, KT's line real quick. This line cut real quick. Come on, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. All right. Are we going to go through the uh, 1111? Oh, that's that's up that's up to the good doctor. Savy, do you uh you want us to 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 do uh lead into the meditation? We do a meditation every night uh that we have the show so that people can reflect off everything that was spoken, you know, and go inside themselves for a second and amplify it. Yes indeed. I don't do that. I don't do meditation. I don't know what that is. We don't meditate. We came out of the jungle. We didn't need to do that. But since now, because I have been derailed, I have to use this method, all kind of stuff, you know, all kind of meditation and spiritual this and spiritual that. But I'm not going to object. Uh, but I don't do meditation. I, I I don't even know how to meditate. I don't even know what it is. Well, <clears throat> what we can, what we can do instead is you could just expound on the love principle as you were speaking earlier, and everybody could just focus on that. I know your main your main point tonight is you us to recognize what's broke so that we're able to fix it. Thank you. We got to fix it. That's it. That is the theme. And I, I, I like I like, you know, the first principle and I want you to expound upon that and that is being unique to self because if people really grasp the concept that there's no one on the planet like them. Take me for instance, I'm a twin. My brother's nothing like me. I'm no, not, he's not. Uh, he's not supposed to be. Right, but people have a tendency to think that, you know, because we share the womb that you know, we might be the quote-unquote same person or even no. because we split from the same cell, we're still separate individuals, and that's the way that the world should see themselves. You are unique, like a fingerprint, and a snowflake, there's no two use, you know. So if people start to embrace that, dig into what's in themselves and find that unique trait, unique contribution that they have been endowed with to contribute to this planet, to contribute to the whole, then there'll be a lot less clutter. You know what I'm saying? The people stepping on one another's heel trying to follow that which has no merit. Why would you follow somebody else? Man, I should follow you. You 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 sound like a preacher right now, but a good preacher. <laughs> <laughs> you hit it right on the head, my brother. You did it. You did it. It was beautifully put. Oh, I like that. Why should you follow somebody else? The other day I'm talking to this fellow who came to visit me in the village, and he showed me this picture of this guru. I said, why are you showing me this picture of this guru, man? 
He said, this man is wise. I said, fine. What does he know that nobody else knows? And what it is that he knows that makes him wise? When I already know that the most important thing on the planet for you to know is what you will put in your mouth. So <laughs> I don't know of anything else that is so important. But you remember when you and I were told, hey, there is such thing as wisdom, you know, and knowledge. you got to acquire it. Well, I don't have any of it. Don't know what it is. Wisdom and knowledge. I know how to cure AIDS, and that doesn't require any wisdom and knowledge. I don't know what is wisdom and knowledge. I hear talk about it like, like I hear talk about protein. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta miss that. I gotta set up because people coming to me with all kind of stuff. Like the sister went and said that the brother told her that her disease was spiritual. I said, that's fine. A, a disease was spiritual? Her disease was wow. spiritual. The sister had cancer of the breast, and the brother in North Carolina told the sister that she, her disease was spiritual. I said, that's fine. Go back and ask her, what is the spiritual remedy? <laughs> <laughs> All of us believe that. Every black man in America and Africa believe that he's spiritual. Don't go to IT. Oh, my God. And I'm part Haitian. I can't go to IT and talk like this man. They're going to murder me. These people are spiritual. They know all about the sciences of the deep. And they're poor as hell. And I'm not talking poor in money. Poor in energy and spirit. The, the activity, because they can't see that Haiti could do much. I'm part Haitian, man. My, I'm, the better part of me is Haitian. I say. <laughs> Amen. We got a lot of work to do. And the funny thing about it, that my mama showed me, my mama said when she saw the speech that I did in Washington, she said it was a crazy man in the group. I said, who was the crazy man in the group, mom? You. I said, why? Because you were talking to people as though they were supposed to know what you know. I said, well, of course they were supposed to know it. And you were angry at them. I said, yes, I were. And that was wrong of me. Because, you see, I live in the concept that what one gorilla knows, all gorilla knows. And if Dr. Sabi knows something, how come you don't know it? And you should. Ah. That is where the breakdown shows that you see, I was trained by the British, and there's another group was trained by the Portuguese, and there's another group that was trained by the French, and the other group was trained by the Italian and the Spanish. Now, you bring them together. They're all black now. You bring them together, and the other group was trained by the Arabs. Nobody was trained by Mama. Nobody was trained by Mama. Thank you very much. But that's okay. My mama said, the weight is on you, not them. Because you seem to have found this truth. Truth, not as you see it. Truth that the universe is showing us. Not a truth, but the truth. The truth. 
cubs do not follow daddy. But yet, there are men that lead women. And the women, oh my God, they are the ones that messed us up. You see, the sisters messed us up, man. They messed us up. You know why? Because they follow men. Oh my God, the breakdown continues. Sisters are following men. Oh God, how could that be? When in the forest, that doesn't happen. Sisters stay together. Elephants, the females are always, they rule, they rule the pack. And the male, they kick him out. But no, we males bought the philosophy of Europe and imposed that on our sisters. And she became accustomed to it. And she listened to men now. He is my leader. He came out your vagina. How come he could be your leader later? He <laughs> 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 like me turning around and telling my mama, I rule you, mama. Nigga, shut up. Shut up. You know the book that's out? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> if you know about it? You know no, about the book that's out? No. no, the title is Shut the Fuck Up. That is the yeah, title of the book. Yeah. And it is important that we understand what that means. We don't have any time to talk anymore. Just do some things. That's why I went to Honduras. And with the help of your mama, another woman, we built that healing village. And guess what? The village is growing. And now we're going to the Bahamas with a center of endocrinology. And then we're going to Guinea to open up the biggest health center the world has ever seen. In a beautiful area named Fulamori with six hot springs. We're going to turn it out. We're going to show what we're able to do, what we are capable of doing. We will need to be scholars to do something pragmatic and something useful. You need to be useful. You need to be a servant. And that's the one thing I like about Tanzania, that Kekwete, the president, he told me himself that every year all the senators and ministers, whoever, they go to the bush and work in the, in, in the fields for a month. Now, got your fingers dirty. He told me he wanted me to come to Tanzania. I said, you are really losing it. He said, why? I said, because if I go to Tanzania, they, they're going to kick you out. Because I'm going to make the recommendation that they get rid of all those animals the Arab brought. Because the Arab brought the Koran and the lamb to Africa and the goat. We don't need that. We always had our own. We always had our own. The laws of life. He said, you late. A woman already started a campaign in Tanzania to get rid of the cows, the hogs, the lamb, the goat, all this chicken. That's poison. To us, that's this poison. Deadly. Just get rid of it. It isn't African. It's European. Cassava, European. Sweet potato, European. Rice, European. Let them eat it. You made it, you eat it. We're we going back to Fonio, to Taf, Amaranth. We're going to eat 
the fruits and the leaves of the African plain. And they got many of them that are delicious and good. They got cactus in Africa that when you eat one little piece, you don't, you, you're not hungry for days. They call it the hoodia. Hoodia. Then you got the other plant, which is the iboga, which we all need. Yes. We all need the iboga, including me. And I may be the one needed most because that detoxes you. Burkina Faso. And then you have the great Kankansa. You would never have another sexual problem. And then you have the Pope, uh, the, the seer, which we use and remove a tumor from Michael Jackson's son's head in 20 minutes. Oh, yes. See? So when everybody was going to Egypt in the 70s, everybody was talking going to Egypt, going to Karnak, Abu Simbel, and the rest. Man, I went to the jungles of Africa, and I came back with some herb and cured some folks. And those that went to Egypt, all they did was to come back talking about some pharaoh. Now, can I care about the pharaohs? We don't live then. We live now. And Egypt should be an example to us. It came and left. And why in the hell we want to build on something that came and left? <laughs> we want to use this, the, the, the philosophy of something that came and it still is. Egypt came and left. Okay, it went through its evolutionary process. What could we do from, with that? Well, what, we, we're going to eat what they eat, but you're going to get sick. And I never like to talk about Imhotep one because every black man that is hung up on Egypt always slam Imhotep one in the face of people. Well, let me tell you about Imhotep one. The boy died young, and the boy opened the human body. That's how sick he was. Because if the human body was made to be open, we'd have a zip on it. Divine design. We need help. We are sick. <laughs> and once we realize that, we will begin to make progress because then we realize, hey, cool it. Just listen to the sister. Uwa is about the woman, and she dictates, just like the elephant. She's the one that remembers where the water hole is at. He don't. He, she does. Okay. But we're ashamed now. You, you tell a brother, hey, man, you've got to listen to the sisters. Man, you done got yourself in a world of trouble. You're out of your mind. They're going to mess you up. What you talking about, nigga? I'm going to listen to my woman. Man, are you stupid? Oh, yeah? Well, who you were listening to when you came out of that womb? The first one you listened to was your mom. And I am happy. I am very extremely happy that I didn't know my father and that he didn't know me. I am. Because I didn't have to fight with the philosophy of daddy against the philosophy of mama. I only had mama. That's all. That's it. No fight. So everything was smooth for me. It was made easy. My life was made easy. It was designed very easy. All I did listen to mama. I didn't have no daddy. And all these other brothers that used to make fun of me because I didn't have a father, they all came and left. They all died. 
Everyone is dead except Marcel. Him and I always talk about it. Fifty-seven of our brothers died. And they had mama and daddy. I had, I had mama. Okay, that's it. I had the important one. Mama. I suck her breast for five years. Okay. She had the energies of life for me, not him. What what he about, I don't know. Because I'm not a man. I'm a male by gender, and it stayed there. I was never a man. I don't know what a man is, but there are a lot of brothers that are men. And they would tell you that they are men. I'm a man. And you respect a man. <laughs> hey, bro. The man came out of a vagina. So your face was always coming through it. Your mouth, your eyes, and your face came through a vagina, but now you're a man. <laughs> I think that should make you think a little, isn't it? That to come into this world, you have to come to a vagina to let you know, behave yourself. Be quiet. Just go back and kneel in front of mom and ask her for forgiveness because we've been wrong. <laughs> we've been wrong. But it's okay. Ain't no sweat. Just do it. And And, you know, I noticed this, that all of the brothers that listen to women, man, they are happy. Hey, have you known of any man in a community that is married to a woman happier than a gypsy? No. Gypsies? Man, this dude is always happy. Why? Because his wife is the boss. His wife, mama, look, look, in the gypsy family, when he gets married and his, his wife, mother, is alive, she is the boss. Okay, you listen. All right. So the gypsy man, he don't have to say anything. He 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 just gets pretty every day. He don't have to make any decisions. But brothers, man, brothers are so stressed because he wants to use the whip and the and the control. Woman, I wear the pants in this house. You understand? You listen to me. I'm the man. <laughs> he just messed up. Because sisters don't have no respect for that. Sisters have no respect for anyone that is imposing. And she knows better. A woman, a, a, a woman knows how limited we are. My mama told me that. My mama told me that she allowed my daddy to indulge in his excesses. And that's what women does to us, you know. Our females, they know that we're limited. And, we, and every male animal is limited. You, you think the lion is as swift and as astute as that female, that lioness? Man, you're crazy. <laughs> no way. She's the one that does the hunting. She's the one that knows where, how to get the stuff. Okay, and she's the one that raised that cub to be what they're going to be later on, not him. Okay, so just get with it. So we talk about progress and fixing it. We begin with the woman. Just begin to kneel in front of her and say, hey, I'm sorry. I know I have. Although I get my butt kicked once in a while because, you know, I just had a baby, right? But there again, 
the reason why I got my butt kicked for having this new baby, my baby's not going to be two years old next next week, uh, Taiwan, is because my wife lived by the European philosophy. You understand? Where you mind there is this this piece of paper that they, that they draft up in Europe. You mind we married a sister, but when we were old, you know, it didn't work like that. And the reason why it could not work like that is because for every man, there are approximately 20 women. And when you take one as your wife, what happened to the other 19? Well, I don't care about them. You see, that is where the love breaks down. Oh. But back home, you didn't talk like that. When the sister oh, that, came... When the sister came with you, or you all were very much in love with each other, then it makes it easy. It was a beautiful thing. But now, I damn look at another woman. I blow his brains out. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to kill you. But when we went home, it was a little bit different. So my wife, I mean, she just cursed me out. My wife just cursed me out and did things and broke things up because Taiwa was born. I felt bad. I felt bad. I didn't do it out of, you know, machismo because I'm not that. You know, 80 years, man, go be macho. Where you get that from? It must have been something else. But the little girl, she's so beautiful. I hope you see Taiwa one day or soon. She's so beautiful, and now my wife is in love with the baby, you see? So all the cursing all that she did me, I had to take that and shut up. I couldn't open my mouth because I know that the woman was right. My wife was right, based on the European philosophy, you see? And that's another thing that we haven't dealt with, that the philosophy may say one thing, but your cells are saying another. Your 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 resonance is vibrating on another level. I'm not saying that all sisters are going to agree with you having a polygamous affair. I agree, because we are so insecure now that she feel like if she bring another woman home that she's going to be left out. She feel very insecure. But no, it could be. I know a brother in Honduras married three sisters. Three sisters. He married three sisters. I mean, they are blood sisters from the same mother and father. And they have a bakery. And he moved them to New York, and he lived in New York with these three sisters. But how many women would do that? And they're happy. They're very happy. Another woman would say, who, me? I would never submit to no do with no other. Oh, boy, they go off on you. And they have a right to because they're so insecure. Our sisters are insecure, and we have to help her. I'm not saying that we brothers should go out there and look for another woman. No, I'm not saying that either. But once in a while, it presents itself, you know, and we have to be ready. Because you're not the dictates of life. No, life dictates to you and I. Yeah, I have a little baby. I have Taiwan, and little Taiwan is is beautiful. 
No, my wife <laughs> di- didn't like the idea, but now my wife is more in love with the baby than I am. You see, you have to wait. You have to have patience. I doubt whether I'm going to do it again. How would have a baby could they kill me? <laughs> <laughs> I would die at the hands of the European philosophy. I'm an African. You better not. But I love my wife. I love her very much like I love your mother. I still love your mother. I love your mother very much. I love all my wives. I love my aunt. My aunt was a beautiful woman. I got to talk about my aunt. My aunt, I never believed that the day would come that I would ever depart from my aunt, that we would split. But, like I said, we are not the dictates of life. Life dictates to us. I was in love with Marilyn. Oh, Marilyn, I never thought I'd leave her with her low-down self. Man, I was in love. And we separated. You see, but isn't that in the separation that we should hate each other's right? No, it's not about hating anybody. It's about loving all the way. Mm-hmm. It's about love. I saw your brother the other day when I gave the lecture in Atlanta, and I felt so good when I saw Kimani. And Kimani displayed a level of love that I have never received from any of my own personal children. Kimani came and said, you know how I feel right now? Do you really know how I feel right now? When Kimani said that and I look in his eyes, I could feel that. That resonated in me because he knew that we spent time together that was beautiful. I used to mess with Kimani. Man, look, Kimani. <laughs> my, my, and I used to go through some battles. But it was fun because now he's a grown brother. He got his own children, and he's doing a good job. He has a beautiful daughter, and he had to have a sass like me. Oh, this was so beautiful when I saw him. Oh, yes. It's about love, man. It's about love. So we got to love everybody. Christians, Muslims, Buddhas, you know, Shintos, you got to give them that because they need it. We need it because if we didn't need it, we wouldn't have all these different houses. It would be one, you know, yourself. So when I meet a Muslim or a Christian or a Buddha or or a Chinese or whoever, I'm supposed to feel just as good with them as I feel with myself. That's right. And if I'm not there, I'm sick. Nigga, you're sick. The other day, our brother was in the village, Larry. Uh, Larry said that he didn't like... Uh, I was talking about Barack. Man, Barack is doing it. He said, man, Barack ain't doing anything. He ain't doing nothing for black people. I said, look, Barack wasn't elected to be black president. Barack was elected to be the president of the United States. We have to do for ourselves what we need to do and help Barack and help the country. Oh, no. We want to lay up. (laughs) I don't hear the Jews doing that, nor the Mexicans. 
They do it for themselves. Just, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. We're going to do it with love. Like I said, with love. See, I was lucky that I joined Islam. Because I joined, I learned some beautiful thing in Islam. And Christianity too. I learned some beautiful thing in Christianity. Of course I did. And I love them both. But I had to move on to Urua. Because Urua identify 100% with me. It resonates with me because it came from me. But they all are good. Every religion is good. So speaking of love, you're about to bring some love to the West Coast. Is that right? Oh, my. I'm going to the West Coast after six years. I haven't lectured in L.A. You know, and I, I love L.A. L.A. was where I began to grow. L.A. was where I changed my life from one to another. I was an engineer when I got to L.A. and left as a healer. So L.A. has a lot of a lot of things that, you know, good for me. Also New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans. Oh, my God, New Orleans. New Orleans, yes. I'm going to L.A. to give, to, the, you know, do this speech. Do this thing. You want me to tell the people <clears throat> for well, all the, the the people on the West Coast? Let them know where it is. Yeah, of course we're gonna yes, be up Todd. Todd told me he gave you the address. Yeah, yes. I have I have the flyer right here. Um, the sanctuary at Sasuma is proud to present internationally known and world-renowned healer and herbalist Dr. Sabi. 3 p.m. Sunday, February 24th, 2013. The place, 5453 Satsuma, that's S-A-T-S-U-M-A, in NoHo Arts District near the corner of Vineland and Burbank. Uh, it is a $20 donation. And for more information, you can call 818-434-8783. Um, or the L.A. Dr. Sabi's office at 301-838-2490. Tickets can be purchased in advance at the Dr. Sabi office, which is 2807 La Cienega Avenue, that's C-I-E-N-E-G-A, or visit the website at drsabiproducts.com. And we'll, we'll repeat all of this um, at the end of the show as well. Hello? But you uh yeah, you can continue, uh you can continue, Doctor Savy. Continue. Hmm. Yes, I continue. <laughs> help me. I need help. Like Lisa hey. said I always will need help. Boy, Lisa Lisa wiped me out. You know, oh. I have to talk about this sister. This sister was vibrant. This sister was elusive. She was intelligent. She was smart. She was everything. She was vigilant. She knew. She could see. That's it. Lisa could see. Yeah, that Gemini could see. And I like knowing her. I like knowing her. I was so depressed when everything happened the way it did. But I learned from her. 
I'm, I, at this age, I'm happy that that I am not angry or hooked up to a machine, you know, with pain, arthritic pain or back pain or whatever kind of pain. Right. And I would like, one of the things that I would like for brothers to do at my age, make another baby. That baby that I, that was born to me two years ago, that baby has brought out of me an energy that I didn't know I had in me. This baby, I had to I, I had to babysit this baby from age nine months because the mama was suffering with postpartum depression. So she went back and she still lived with her mother and her father right now. So I had to take Taiwa at nine months. At nine months, I'm by myself in the bed with this baby upstairs. I had to change diapers all night. I had to wake up and make her hemp milk with her sea moss. I had to feed her her sea moss with hemp milk and her agave syrup. And then I had to give her her fruit, mashed up. And now Ty was going to be two. Ty didn't know anybody but me. Ty and I, look, Ty was papi, 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 papi. And you know she grew up just long enough that now she's a year and 11 months. No, she'll be 12, two years old. She'll be two on the 26th of this month. Taiwa, last week, Taiwa pushed me out of the bed. Why? Because Taiwa want me to go downstairs and make this tea that I, I make for her every morning, this chamomile tea and albaca. There's a tea name in Honduras known as albaca. There's another tea named Juanilama. These teas are very delicious, and they're very nutritious. So she gets accustomed to drinking these teas, and I didn't know it. She kicked me out of the bed. So I went downstairs, and when I came back with two cup of teas, one for her, one for me, Taiwa smiled, and this baby's not even two. Let me tell you something. It is delicious to have another baby at this age because it grounds you. It makes you know that you have to be gentle. And some of us have a tendency to 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 get into this hard this zone that is very hard and very stiff. You know, you you hear it said you don't teach old dogs new tricks. Mm-hmm. No man, those are words, man. Let me tell you something. When you have a baby at seventy eight you have a baby born to you at 78. You are going to contribute to that baby things that you didn't know you had in you. But because of your experience in life, you're going to enjoy this baby better than you enjoyed the early one when you were young yourself. Because I had babies born to me when I was 22. You know, what did I know at 22? You know? I'm growing. Right. I couldn't give that baby what I could give Taiwa. <laughs> Boys, and but it's sweet. Cause you have to change this, this, this dirty diaper. You have to wash diapers. I know you have to bathe her, and you have to change her, and you have to listen to her cries and understand and properly interpret her cries. Every time she cries, you better know what she's crying for. You better know. So you come back again to that natural cosmic code, the one that we have in us. 
to allow you to communicate with a baby. You know, I'm 80 years of age now, and she's two. I have to communicate with Taiwa. Right. And she knows that I communicate with her when certain things that she wants. Look, I could tell you stories about me and this baby. This baby was doing things to me when she was a year old. Oh, my God, Taiwa. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. We just have to get we just have to get on the bandwagon of healing. That's all. Because I'm not better than you. I'm not better than any brother on the planet. I'm not worse either. Just different. We're just different. It's unique, right. That's right. But I better make sure that as a servant, that I really serve people the proper way. And I like to hear people say, oh, Dr. Sebi, you, you, you know that stuff I came with? I no longer have it. And Dr. Sebi, you know my mama? She used to have shoe and it's gone. And Dr. Sebi, guess what? My daddy no longer have Parkinson. How do you think I feel? Of course I feel good. And I want to feel better every day. And this is why Urwa is taking over the healing village. We're going to own the village, not Dr. Sebi. Dr. Sebi have no business owning any healing village. We should be owners of a healing village. We should be the owner of the, of the healing entity, not Dr. Sebi. Dr. Sebi is your brother. He's your brother. He's not better than you. But he was given this mandate to carry out. And I need all of you guys to help me carry it out. Of course I need you guys. I need every brother and sister to help with this thing. This is why the organization of Urwa is embarked on a $200 million project, because we see the need for it. And that's okay. We're going to get it done. That's a piece of cake. We're going to spend one-third in the United States, one-third in Africa, and one-third in the Caribbean and Central and South America. And we're going to own things, and we're going to begin to manufacture things. We're going to go into the organic food business. We already selected the five brothers who were going to give the million dollars apiece to refurbish their farms into organic. Why? Because we need it. We need that when, we, when I'm in New York, I know where to go and eat. But that place doesn't exist now, for right, right now. This way that sister comes in, Lauren Vanderpool, Queen O Green. You go to her website, Queen O Green. This sister is bad. But we have another sister that's bad. Her name is Chandra, Chandra Washington. And then we have another sister in Philadelphia named Beverly, another bad one. And then you have the sister now in Wilmington, you know, And we have many more sisters. Abundant Shadison is in is in Wilmington. And then there's your mother. Your mother knows how to cook a lot of beautiful things. So we need to come together under the canopy of love, not prejudice and envy, because that's going to destroy everything now. Yeah, we got it. We they are brothers. 
that knows how to grow food organically. Don't need no pesticides and insecticides. We have learned the science of electric industrial agriculture where we're going to electrify our food while it's growing with another electric plant. Or we have learned the integration of those things. All this we are about to do, okay? Because it's needed. It's needed. I like when I'm in New York, Atlanta, Chicago, Detroit, L.A., San Francisco. Hey, man, I'm hungry. Let me go get something to eat. I know where I'm supposed to go because the food would be wholesome. We don't have that place now. We are scholars. We are philosophers. We are leaders. So I bring you Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa? Hey, fellas, you like to be poisoned? Why you say that, say me? Because Kwanzaa is poisoned food, rice and beans, black-eyed peas made in Holland, you know. Kwanzaa is Dutch because the chicken you eat is made in Holland. That's Dutch. The beans is Dutch. So why don't you buy some Dutch shoes, some wooden shoes, Kwanzaa Day, and celebrate Kwanzaa right? Because it's Dutch. <laughs> Even the clothes that you wear is made in Holland. That's Dutch. So Kwanzaa, all you Kwanzaa folks, you celebrate Dutch. <laughs> so, they're poisoning you because the Kwanzaa folks eat rice and beans which is carbonic acid along with cyanide and uric acid. They let you eat this. This is, this is the Kwanzaa dinner. My daughter Usha showed me that. Old Usha. And your sister, Kiva, Kiva was only 12 years of age when I went to visit you guys one night in St. Croix. And Kiva looked at my feet and said, your feet is swollen. And guess what? I didn't notice that. When I looked at my feet, my feet were swollen. Why? Because I was eating shit in St. Croix that has salt in it. But your sister saw it. She saw it. So just remember now, regardless to the age, you listen. We got to learn to listen, and it's delicious listening. It's so delicious, listen to this, Uncle Bo. Uncle Bo is a brother from Rotan, Honduras, from the island of Rotan. When you go to Uncle Bo, Uncle Bo, why the sky is so yellow? The sky is yellow. Uncle Bo would look up at the sky and say, oh, yes. Is an orange yellow. All the time the sky is blue. Why did Uncle Bo agree? So one day Grover asked Uncle Bo, Uncle Bo, why you agree with everybody? I didn't give a darn what you say. Uncle Bo is going to agree with you. Uncle Bo's response was that. Why do I agree with everybody? 
Because, yes, don't stop dance. And Grove interpreted that properly. Yes, don't stop dance. In other words, when you say yes, the dance continues. But if you say no, there's an argument. But later on, a man came and told Uncle Bo, Uncle Bo, why did you agree with me when I was wrong? Uncle Bo said, you was wrong? He said, wait just a minute. Just a minute. How did you know you were wrong? Well, I found out. Who found out? Okay. He found out. Don't you let him find out. (laughs) (laughs) Look, there is high science out there how to deal with people. Agree with everybody. I don't care what they say. And if you disagree, something wrong with you. Because he is seeing that truth. As he see it, that's why I must said that the sisters in the basketball team in, in Memphis looked like a bunch of nappy-headed hoes. I must was right. I must was 100% right. That's what I must saw. I didn't see that. I saw some beautiful sisters, but I must saw something else. So I want to ask Imus, hey, Imus, how come you saw that nobody else did? (laughs) That's sweet. It is. You got to be gentle. I love Imus. I love Imus in the morning. I love everybody. I love Bert. And Bert called me a nigger 100,000 times in front of my face, even the captain said. Because Bert was stealing from people on the ship. And everybody went to tell the Captain Freddy, Bert's a thief. I went and I told Captain Freddy, Captain Freddy, Bert is not a thief. Hold it just a minute. I heard he called you a nigger. I said, he did. <laughs> called me a nigger a whole, whole lot of time. I said, well, Captain, if you think that that word means something to me, call me a nigger right now. You call me a nigger. Say it, Captain. Say nigger, Captain. He said, Bowman, you don't care about any." I said, Captain, look, that's minor stuff. Just just go down there. Come on, just go down to Bert Folkson. I took the captain down to Bert Folkson. Bert had gone in everybody Folkson and took their wallet and their money and put it on his bed. And he had mine there, too, and the cameras and all the souvenirs. So I look in Bert Folkson. I said, Bert, do you have my wallet? He said, yeah, Bowman, I have your wallet right here. Let me see. It has $200 in it and your mother's picture. I said, hold it, Bert. He said, that's okay, Bowman. I got it. Bert was sick. Bert was sick, man. His wife was messing up on him, and he's a seaman. It's a good thing he didn't jump over the side. So the captain looked at me and said, Bowman, what are you doing aboard the ship? You shouldn't be aboard the ship. I said, no, I'll be down. I said, Captain Freddy, I thought Bert was sick. But you were sicker. (laughs) (laughs) You were telling me that I should be aboard the ship, and I'm aboard the ship looking in your face. Where else am I supposed to be right now, Captain Freddy? 
He said, wait, man, you know what I'm talking I don't know what you're talking about. He said, but you were the only one that took time out to see that Bert was sick. And he called you a nigger. You didn't care about that. You above that. I said, but Captain Freddy, am I a nigger? I don't even know what the word is. <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> I know I'm a child of Africa. Somebody called me a nigger. He's sick. Or he loved me. <laughs> and Bert, see, Captain Freddy said that since I saw Bert in a different light, that I don't deserve to be on the ship. But Captain Freddy didn't know, and I didn't know that one day I would have to afford myself as a counselor. I didn't know that. And put this together. The boy didn't go to school. What kind of nerve he going to have to afford himself to the public of the world as a counselor? Are you out of your mind? Nigga, shut up. You didn't go to school. Remember Richard. He told you he was dumb. And Richard was right. Richard had a book, which was a third grade book. And in this book, Richard had this thing where it, it, it said this picture of this cow jumping over this moon. And Richard said, you see, this cow jump over moons. You should go to school to learn that. I said, Richard. Look, let me show you something. You see that cow across the street? That cow can't even jump over that fence. Talk about a moon. It's in the book. <laughs> can't you see it? It got to be right. It's in the book. It's in the book. And Richard won the argument. <laughs> Richard won the argument that the cow jumped over the moon. Later on, I saw Richard in New Orleans. And Richard had these very thick glasses on. And Richard was very sick. And I said to him, you really believe in the cow jumping over the moon? He did. Because he went to the physician that allowed him, you know, those compounds that were crazy, like the cow jumping over the moon. Now, why would you put that in a book? Why would you tell a child that Santa Claus goes around the world in one day? You know, these kinds of things prepare you to believe in spirits and spooks and ghosts and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> they begin to prepare you. You see? But Richard is long gone. He died 12 years ago. You see? So I have to remember that my position is no more credible than Richard or my brother that passed on. I just have to stay here a little bit longer to do this work, and I better do a good work. I better do the right work. You know, and I hope so. And I'm glad thus far the accomplishment you know, that I was able to go to the Supreme Court and show them that there is such thing as gene, food, consistency, consistency that has not been considered. This is why when our little doctor, Sanjay Gupta, goes on CNN 
and he began to talk about inoculation and all kind of vitamins and proteins. I said, I wonder if he's talking about everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Sanjay looked funny to me sometimes because Sanjay doesn't know that. 